Well, after this is over, <laughs> I will uh, eat a quick lunch, load up my car, and I'll drive to Broken Bow to uh, spend a week with uh, junior high kids. Um, and I do this because I'm just demented. It's a bad idea all around. I mean, it sounds like a bad idea. And a lot of you are doing coming with me, and you're making a huge mistake. <laughs> but I'm glad you're coming so that we can make that mistake together. Uh, we, who grew up going to a church camp? Raise your hand. I was going to say about round of applause, but I remembered where I was. Uh, um, so, well, I, at, at camp, you just changed who you were. I loved camp because grew, growing up in, at um, the Queen, I was... Um, I was sort of a, just, everyone saw me as that silly kid with a, you know, a scrawny body and a gigantic head and uh, just, they saw me as one thing and I went to camp and it was like being the new kid at a school. You could be something else. You could change who you were, you could, uh, you could try to be cooler, maybe, fail, um, tr- try to be more impressive, uh, and it, it was always nice. Um, I met my, I met my wife. I met Rachel at this church camp, and that's where she fell madly in love with me. And it took me a few years to catch on. That's not even true. But that's where we met, and that's you, 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 you decide. Well, I'm this week. I'm going to be this thing. This week, I'm going to stand out because of this, or I'm going. I'm, you, you go to church camp. You can't fall back on some of the behaviors that you felt that made you cool in school, right? So the things that that made you popular in school sometimes didn't translate into popularity or or friends at church camp, and so you changed. You just changed from one thing to the other. There's a lot of times where you are dropped into a situation and it changes who you are. Uh, there are certain th- certain th- things you can do at home that you can't do at work. There are certain things you can do when your wife is out of town, like well, there are certain things you cannot do, like not put up your shoes or not clean up the dishes. How many of you have had that? Uh, men have had that panic where your where your wife left for a day or two, and then it's like thirty minutes till they'll get back, and you you realize I got to clean out this sink. Got to straighten up and then act like I wasn't doing that. I might need to shower for the first time in a while. But where you are matters and it affects how you act. And we looked at this last week with Euodia and Syntyche. Remember, those are the two ladies that were um, bickering or uh, were fighting in the Philippian church. And Paul tells them, you need to be of one mind, not just one mind, but one mind in the Lord. And there's a difference between being of one mind and of one mind in the Lord. See, of one mind means that y'all come to the same conclusions. Of one mind in the Lord means that you come to the same place. Now, may, you may disagree on some minutia. You may disagree on how exactly you should be doing ministry. But you are still together in a place. Have you ever been in a hot tub with someone you didn't know? No? Okay, you didn't think you were going to hear that this morning. Well, it's weird. So you go to a hotel. I remember doing this as a kid. You go to a hotel, 
and um, me and my, my siblings would go and we'd, just, we'd be like, there's a hot tub, and we'd, be, we'd get in it because we didn't know any better. We, just, we were just hicks. Uh, we just didn't. I've got a story, but I'm not going to tell it. But uh, I'm going to tell it. Okay, so <laughs> the first time we ever went to an Olive Garden, this was high class for us. Like, it was the nicest restaurant we have ever been to in our lives. And one of my siblings, not going to say who, but he did this. Uh, when the plate came for the bread, it was warm. He's like, this is amazing. And he stuck it in his shirt. He's like, oh, that feels so good. We were hicks. We saw a hot tub and we were like, get in, this is going to be great. We ran in there. We got in the hot Anyway, so we were in the hot tub at this, at this hotel and this older gentleman comes and gets in with us. And you're just kind of like, well, what are you doing here? Now, sometimes we, sometimes we treat church like a hotel hot tub. Like, we found it, we think it's cool, and then people that we're kind of uncomfortable with show up, and we're like, well, what's... This was ours first. We were here first. We should, we should be enjoying this without you. And we draw these lines, and we say, well, we're in, and you're out. And we draw those lines quite arbitrarily, right? We, we draw them, say, we'll say, well, that, it's because of this thing that we do that makes us right. And it often revolves around issues of what happens here. Like in, in, in the, in, so what makes you one type of Christian is how you worship on Sunday morning. And what makes you another type of Christian is that you worship differently than that group does. Or that y'all do things differently, that you're, Preacher wears fancier clothes or a collar or, a, or heaven help us, a garb. And so we, we, all, we, all, we all are different, but we're in Christ. And it's those little arbitrary differences that will divide us. And sometimes, because we divide over those things, and that's fine. Sometimes people are more comfortable with that than this, and I get that. But what divides us often will start to define us. And that's when we get into trouble. Not necessarily that there are different types and different ways and different understandings and different approaches. But whenever we start making those divisions our definition, we, we are in a very unhealthy place. Because then we are not defined by what Jesus did for us, but we are defined by what, how we understand Jesus. And so the definition doesn't come from Jesus, but it comes from within us, and we rarely change. But Paul, toward the end of the Philippian letter, says, this is how you are to live. I don't have, do I have that clicker. I don't have my clicker. I'm irresponsible. Uh, Paul says, this is how you are to live. Let me get my Bible here. Let's see. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You'll notice kind of a, a he's giving these quick little instructions. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now look what he says next. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in in Christ Jesus. So it feels like for a second that there's these separate commands like rejoice in the Lord, do not be anxious, present everything um, with prayer and petition and let the peace of God that transcends all understanding rule your life. So it seems like we got four here. But what Paul is doing is saying this is what defines those of us who are in Jesus. See, the grace of God is effective, so it puts us in a place, it changes us, and it is effective. It initiates change within us even further. So it is effective because it takes us from one place to another, and then it is effective that it pushes us on further. So I am, I am, not, I am saved by the grace of God, And then I live out that salvation by the grace of God. And so when he says, you, this is how you are going to look. This is Paul, this is Paul's definition of what it looks like to live in the Lord. He says, rejoice. He doesn't just say rejoice. He says, rejoice in the Lord. This isn't just because things are pleasant. It's because Jesus is present. This isn't just because he's, he's somehow, we, we, we just force happiness. Joy, hap, joy often has pain as its center. We find joy not because of what is happening to us, but because of what God is present in. So he can be present in suffering. He can be present in pain. He can be present in, in happiness. He can be present in pleasure. But his presence our rejoicing depends on us being in the Lord. Then he says, don't be anxious. Well, why? Well, because it's unbecoming. No, not because it's unbecoming, but because God is present and we can offer everything up to God. I can give things to God, so I don't have to be anxious. See, God is calling us in the name of Jesus by the grace of God, by his grace, to be changed. To be affected. And whenever we are pushed to be changed, sometimes we'll say, well, I, gotta ch- I, I am defined by what divides. No, you are defined by what God produces, what fruit comes out of the Spirit of God living in you. We are defined by joy. We are defined by the lack of anxiety. Now, let me pause here for a second. Um, If you are anxious, you just can't overcome it, and you are on medication for anxiety, I am not one of those preachers that's going to tell you, well, you just need God. Um, Brain chemicals are tough. Um, I'm not pushing that at all. I'm, I'm simply saying that our defining characteristics should be things that are bigger than just how we do the thing we do on Sunday morning. 
that that sort of thing is what spreads the gospel. To be honest, I've never heard anybody whisper about anybody else. You know, uh, he's a great person. Oh, really? Why? He sings without a piano. We'll edit that part out of the video. But that, I mean, yeah, that's, that's one of our traditions. That's one of the things we do. But that doesn't make us great people. That doesn't make us excellent followers of Jesus. You know what makes us excellent followers of Jesus? Is cultivating joy. Cultivating a, a lack of anxiety. I think that matters. I think it matters more than just, they're not just these simple little, like, frivolous, oh, and Paul says, oh, and then the Philippians, well, I need to give them something to do. Uh, joy, uh, lack of anxiety because of prayer and peace. Let's do that. No, Paul says in, in, uh, in, other, in Galatians, he says that that is the fruit that is being produced by the Spirit. That we are, we find joy, we find a lack of anxiety in God. And we find that because God is in us. And he says that peace comes from God. Then he says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How many of you, and this, this has a lot to do with uh, just your internal life, um, how many of you can dwell on just awful things? Like the things you're afraid of, the things you're worried about, the things you can just dwell on it. You can, just, it. you can hold it in your mind and it won't let your mind go. Uh, it, I, I don't know. If you, if you don't wrestle with that, I'm, I'm curious that you're a sociopath. Just kidding. Uh, but... I feel like everyone at some point, because a hundred compliments do not weigh as much as one insult. And that one insult will just weigh on you. A hundred successes do not weigh as much as one failure. And one failure will tip the scale. And so you'll think, well, I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough, I'm not this enough. And like we talked about a couple weeks ago, yeah, you're not enough. But he says, let's seek out things that are valuable to think about. See, you're going to have a problem when you say, well, I'm going to stop thinking about that thing. Quick, don't think about Mario and Luigi. You did the wrong thing. Like you, <laughs> Rachel and I played video games last night. We didn't have kids there with us. You... But like not think, have you ever told someone not to look down? What do they do? Look down. It's, our, it's just sort of our brain's instinct. Actually, what happens is um, you're, you, have, you have different levels of thought. Um, alpha waves, beta waves, um, delta waves, gamma waves. Um, radio waves, which are not from us. It's from Hulk. And so there's... And alpha waves, you can process good thoughts. So the alpha waves is what you're doing whenever, um, whenever you're like doing math or trying to make a decision. 
Beta waves is what you're doing when you're walking or not paying attention. So when you walk up to a child who's not really paying attention to you and you say to the child, they're getting close to the stove, and you say, don't touch it. You speak into their beta waves, and in beta waves you can't hear a negative. So the reason your child reaches for the stove, how many times have you had to tell your child, I just told you not to do that. Well, they heard do that. It's just the, it's the way the brain works. Um, you all look really bored. I'll move on. But we instinctively, when we say, I don't want to think about something, we'll go right to it. It's just the way our brains work. You can't just erase brain patterns. You have to supplement them with other things. So Paul here is not saying, don't think about the things that make you sad. Don't think about the things that make you anxious. Don't think about awful things. Don't think about the things that worry you. But instead, he's saying whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, you think about those things. I need to find things that make my brain praise God because of the things. I need to seek, a, seek those things out. The grace of God needs to affect me in that way, that I'm looking for things to say positive about people. That I'm looking for ways to say, well, that person's wonderful because... That person is great because this situation is beneficial because... You know, our instinct, if we, just, if we just sort of float down the lazy river of life, our instinct is to take exits on negatives. But if we, are, if we are actively seeking to let Jesus affect us, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, we will think about those things, not naturally. <laughs> we will choose to. I will find what I can think about that is beautiful. And then he has a similar closing thought in verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God, again here, God is the God of peace, will be with you. So you remember back in verse 6, it's a peace of God. And then the God of peace will be with you. I, I want you to see that, as we talked about last week, God puts us in a place and labels us something because of His grace. And then what we see this week is from that place, God pushes us to other places. And it is His grace that He through His grace that He leads us and affects us. We are affected by His grace and His grace is affected, effective. And if He can change us like that, that matters to the world. They see that and they say, well, that, that's, his, that's God's stamp on them. Have you ever seen, met someone who went from anxiety to peace because of Jesus? 
Have you ever met someone who went from anger to joy because of Jesus? I'm there. Anger to joy, that's, that's my story. I can still get angry pretty quickly. But it's over, and it's over stupid stuff. Commercials get me. Why do they do that? How would anybody be fooled by that? Yep, everyone goes and buys it. Trick in the world. Get upset. Dental insurance. Never mind. I was talking to Johnny about that, ranting about it earlier. But it, just silly stuff makes me frustrated. And I can dwell on that. And then I've got to decide, and this is something I've got to decide more and more as I get older. I don't know if you heard last week, I got older. I've got to decide, I will not think about the things that frustrate me. I will think about the things that are lovely. I will not dwell on the things that are, that are broken, but I will tr- dwell on the things that God is doing. And what comes from that, and see they're all connected, what comes from our joy and our dwelling on the things of, of, uh, that, that are worth dwelling on, we can now be at peace. Not because everything's going to be okay. That's silly. Don't believe people who say that. We can dwell, we can be in peace because we are with the God of peace. We can be at peace because we see Jesus in the brokenness. We see our Savior on a cross saying to the world, me too, I've been there. And I've conquered it for you. if, If we are to be the followers of Jesus, we should be defined by things like this, like joy, like peace, by prayer, by a lack of worry. We should be defined by those things. Not by the things that we often define Christians by. Should we, as followers of Jesus, be seen by the world as defining ourselves by our patterns? Or should we be hoping that the world sees us by the fruit we produce? I'll tell you, I I think the latter is hard. Harder. I don't think I'm calling you to some easier skip through the meadow, pick some flowers with Jesus sort of Christianity. And that's often the attack on such sermons like this. He's calling them to love and joy. That's just sort of the easy path. Truth is difficult and hard. No, truth is actually... More complicated something is to understand, often the easier it is to enact. So I can tell I can I can tell you the old Church of Christ line, one I um, I disagree with, and it's probably it's very public knowledge that I disagree with this. The old Church of Christ line about why we don't have a piano. And I'm gonna have to skip through the Bible and I'm gonna have to skip through history, and it's gonna be about a 30-minute uh, discussion. And it's going to have holes in it. 
But do you realize how easy it is to not have a piano? You just don't have one. Took no work. You don't do it. You just, there you are. Just wake up. Most people wake up sans piano. Most of us do. We just wake up and there we are. No piano. Actually, people who wake up with a piano are usually unhappy they did. I don't know why. But that, that's sort of, I mean, yeah, it's real easy. Love is so easy to explain. Peace is so easy. Peace in God, so easy to explain. What's peace in God? It's, it's trusting that God can handle the things that you were anxious about before. Now go live that out and see how hard it is. I think we often opt for the difficult to comprehend and the easy to enact because it makes us feel smart and we don't really have to do all that much. I think we should chase after the easy to understand but the difficult to live. And that's things like peace. That's things like prayer. That's things like uh, the lack of worry and, and it's, it's things like joy. And it's in those sorts of, uh, those sorts of chases where we chase, we're, when we're chasing after those things, what you'll find is that you never get there. But you always get somewhere. So you never get to the place where, you, where you've planted firmly and turned around in your journey of Jesus and start pointing out who's failing and who's not doing enough. God has called us to be affected by his grace and then let his grace affect us further. And if you want to be affected by his grace, You've never, you've never been affected by His grace. Or maybe you've never let His grace affect you. And today's the day to make that turn. And it's not going to be a decision that immediately changes you, but it's going to be a decision that immediately starts changing you. You don't have to be a certain level of good to come to Jesus. You have to need Jesus to come to Jesus. And once you realize you're not at that certain level of good, man, you will you'll realize that, man, you need Jesus. And then Jesus starts working at you. And it's at the end that you realize that's, that was grace all along too. If you need anything this morning, please come forward while we stand and while we sing.